call it the City of Splendors, Crown of the North. And this case just keeps getting weirder and weirder. First, we're told to investigate a 300-year-old murder, then we're assaulted by a dead guy. Then we find out that he was murdered as well. What's next, a literal mummy's tomb in the middle of the City of the Dead? Anyway, the folks up in the castle ward call it the City of Splendors. To everyone else, it's still just water deep. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Dungeons and Dragons table or desk or bench of your choosing. If you remember, last time uh, we ended on a bit of a cliffhanger. Uh, Talia, you and Sam were in the Red Gauntlet Inn, and you had just found out uh, in disguise as the blacksmith Foss that the bartender was under the impression that they had already killed him. Mm-hmm. Jason, you and Brad were in the uh, second floor of the, the Red Gauntlet. Um, formerly the offices of uh, Waterdeep Detective the Sparrow. Yes. Um, looking for evidence of a fire as well as um, other nefarious activities. So I believe um, Sam and Talia might be in the, the slightly more hot seat <laughs> of the two. So we're going to go ahead and start with Jason and Brad. What do you guys <laughs> want to do um, in the, the relatively calm setting of the second story of this building. Well, we had just found a, the safe, right? That's right. You found a safe. Um, I, I believe an odor, perhaps, of char around it. Um, the safe now is uh, more of a decoration. It doesn't look very functional. It looks like people haven't been using it. Um, you don't need to roll an insight check to, to sort of figure that this was maybe left over and kept as some sort of keepsake uh, and put almost on display. Well, I think I was watching the door, right? So you could, so Jason could pick it. Yeah. Um, is it locked? It is locked. Yeah, you're unable to open it. Unable to open it or unable to unlock it? Um, you could roll a sleight of hand to attempt to unlock it. it I, I should say, yeah, it is locked. It is not welded shut. Uh, This would be uh, Thieves' Tools, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 12 on the dice, so 18 total. 18 total. You you realize as you're um, manipulating the lock on this safe that um, some damage has been done to it, and it's not operating exactly the way you would expect it to. Um, And so you're actually finding it a little bit more challenging than you would under normal circumstances. So uh, your first 18 is enough to, to really get the ball rolling. You feel some of the pins within the lock give way very grudgingly. They're, they're not, uh, they don't seem like they are, uh, you know, they're not moving very easily. Um, but you're going to have to roll again to finish unlocking the lock. In the meantime, Brad, I need you to roll a perception check. If, I'm, if it's using my rat nose, I do get perception bonus advantage, that is. Uh, yeah, go ahead and roll with advantage. Yeah. Would that be rat vantage? Get out. <laughs> I got a 12. A 12 with advantage? With rat vantage, yeah. Uh, nope, I'm sorry. I looked at the wrong number. That would be a 15. A 15, okay. Um, <clears throat> you hear Max kind of plinking away at the safe um, behind you while you watch the door. Um, muttered goblin curses escaping out into the hallway every now and then. 
Um, but you also uh, uh, realize that someone is coming up the stairway behind. You're starting to see the flickering of um, perhaps lantern light against the walls, um, and you hear a quiet whistling approaching you. So, so Dorn will turn around and he'll scamper over to Max. And uh, he'll look up at Max and go, They're coming! They're coming in the door right now! But it just kind of goes... Um, <clears throat> let's see. Do he's, I need to roll to know that he is warning me? Or he's pointing I? with his little rat hand. You know how rats have little cute hands? He's pointing yes. at the door. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to make you roll to understand the the uh, communique coming from Dorian. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. get that someone is coming. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, do I feel like I have enough time to give it that last little, that last little oomph, or should I um, bail? Uh, roll an insight check. Uh, okay, insight. Uh, 18 on the dice, so that's a 25 total for insight. Given the the slow approach of that flickering lantern light and the, the quiet whistling, you feel like this is probably a guard that is not taking his job super seriously. Um, you think it's pretty safe that you've got uh, at least one more chance to, to get the, the lock across the finish line. Okay, I'm going to give it one more little oomph. So that's 16 on the dice, so 22 total. Yeah, that'll do it. So the the lock um, kind of thunks open. The door swings heavily open, um, and you get a waft of that kind of that charred smell that you were smelling before. You smelled a lot more uh, thickly now. And I don't recall, did you guys have a, a light source or a lantern? I mean, Max, you have dark vision, don't you? Yes, we both do. Okay, so um, inside the safe, you see a lot of uh, piled ash at the bottom um, and tiny, little tiny scraps of paper sticking out every now and then. It looks like um, what was in the safe was destroyed. So there's, there is nothing in there of value? Um, not that you can see, no. Okay, then I will... Um I, Max will look at Doran and give him the knowing uh, out of sight nod and I will go and I will try to hide in whatever shadows I can find while this guard is doing his thing. And Doran knowing that Max is way better at hiding than Doran will jump into his backpack first. <laughs> smart. I was smart. That is smart. It's a smart, smart. play. <laughs> Um, Doran, go ahead, or I'm sorry, Max, go ahead and roll your stealth check. And it's 11 on the dice, so that is a 20 total. Dirty 20. Rogues are, rogues are tough. <laughs> you have a plus nine to stealth? Yeah, rogues yeah. are, like, it, it seems like... <laughs> Want to do something? Oh. Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I have expertise in insight, investigation, perception, and stealth. It's, so. It seems like no matter Oof. what I ask Jason to roll, he's like, oh, let's see. Okay, so I got a four on the dice. That's, so a, that's a 25 total. Yeah, that's going to be a 36. 36 total with all my bonuses. The, you, you guys are totally well hidden. The 20 is perfect. Um, he pokes his head in. He, he's, he shines his lantern light around a little bit. Um, and he sees, he doesn't see that either of you are there. Um, he does notice that the, the safe is, the safe door is hanging open. Um, and so he approaches that 
he's stopped whistling at this point. Um, he's at least curious enough to, to give this his full attention. Um, and he holds the lantern up so that he can see into the safe. Um, and with the, the he's got a, a, a club, like a baton at his belt. Um, and with that, he kind of, he pokes into the ash at the bottom of the safe and then holsters it back and reaches in and pulls something out from the ash. And uh, you guys roll perception checks from the shadows. I'm imagining, uh, you know, Max lurking in the corner with tiny little rat door and head poked out over his shoulder, seeing what's going on. Yeah, that's about right. I got a 16. No, 18. I, <laughs> I rolled a natural one. <laughs> so that's... So that's a uh, so that's a eight yeah. total yeah for for Max <laughs> twenty two I rolled a one so that's a twenty two, um, no when Max hit he's actually pointed into the corner yeah yeah I'm not he's playing hide and seek the way a baby does where he's he's just covered his face <laughs> you can't see me I can't see you <laughs> he's just he's lucky enough to have actually hidden himself while he's doing it um, Doran you on the other hand see that what he's pulled out from the the bottom of the safe um, looks like some sort of black crystal whoa it's nine inches long and uh, it seems to be uh, one solid piece uh, about as wide around as uh, like a human thumb. Does this look like a town guard or a uh, guard employed by this place? This is a rent-a-guard. This is, this is a guy that has flunked out of the town guard school a bunch of times. Um, and so the guard retrieves the crystal. He, uh, he kind of stands up and, and gives a quick look around before um, sliding it into his pocket. Dorn is going to tap tap Max on the shoulder repeatedly and just point at the guard urgently. Okay. So I don't I don't see what he pulls out, but would I have seen him put something in his pocket? Yeah, you Doran has warned you in time. You see him doing the sort of universal shifty guy move where, you know, he's looking around to make sure no one can see him as he slides this thing into his pocket. Max is going to from the shadows, from where we're hidden, uh, he is going to try to make his goblin voice as deep as possible. And uh, imitate a ghost <laughs> and, <laughs> and <Yes>. say <laughs> um, you're gonna wanna put that back oh I love it okay here's what we're gonna do Jason we're gonna do competing roles okay. oh no <laughs> But but we're, you actually want me to roll high. You want to roll high, okay. but you want me to roll high too. So here's what we're going to do. Okay. You're going to roll a performance check. The, the number that you have to roll is going to depend on the guard's history check. Okay. Because if he knows about the fire... If he knows about the the nefarious things that happened, and I probably use the word nefarious way too much on this podcast, but I love it. It's a good noir it's word. It's a good noir mm-hmm. word, exactly. Um, the more he knows, the lower you have to roll. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Did he oh, roll no, like we Jason. expected him to based off how he acts and looks? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he rolled a one. Right. He rolled a one. 
Oh, no. Okay, so he has no idea he, about what happened. He has there. no idea. All right, so I need to I need to perform you the need hell to out of this. Pretty high. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Come on, baby. That is <laughs> that is a six on the dice. So uh, a hold on, let me add my performance bonus. Oh, none. Um, so that's, a, that's, that's my a bonus. Six total. Six total for Max. Yeah, you needed you needed Celine's performance there. Okay, <laughs> let's let's enact this out real quick. So, the guard uh, he he reaches in, he finds this thing, he looks around real quick, and he starts to slide it into his pocket. When, yeah, Max Max says you need to put that back. <laughs> and the guard turns around, Spooky. and he he looks right at you, and he he basically is just like, "Hey, who's there?" Now, does he see me because I'm hidden? Oh, that's a good... What, what did just, you roll on that? Or is he just looking... You rolled a, a 20. 20. You didn't roll a 20. Total. You got a 20. No, it's dirty 20, yeah. Well, he rolled a 7 on his perception, so no. He still... He doesn't see you. Uh, but his attention is brought to you enough that if you continued to talk, he would be able to discern your location. Sure. Right, yeah, he'd be yeah. able to see where we are. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna wait to see what he does next. Um, he takes a couple steps towards you and, and lifts the lantern up, which reveals your location. <laughs> I I would like You're to crouch uh, down behind like a, a plant, <laughs> holding one of the fronds. Green in front ears of your face. sticking out behind the plant. Yeah, and he says uh, he says. So as 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 the light hits me, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it one more time. I'm gonna go not looking at him, like not making eye contact, just kind of like looking past him. I'm gonna say. Ooh, you need to put that back. Yes, you do. <laughs> but he just squeaks a whole bunch. I'm trying to give you advantage, buddy. <laughs> no, I got it. I got it. You're help. You're yes. using the help action. Doran and Max are getting closer and closer to needing their own cartoon. <laughs> Like the shenanigans that they get up to. I mean, Hogwild did send a pretty big, like, shoes to fill moment. Yeah, that did set a precedent. Yeah. Uh, pretending to be a ghost poorly. <laughs> While the guard looks directly at you, um, is not, yeah, not, not very. He said the guard, um, it doesn't really move. He puts a hand on his club. Um, and he says, "Hey, you're no ghost." Dang it, he's on to us. He's on to us. Says who? Can you actually <laughs> touch me? <laughs> Reach out, do it. Uh, he tries to. He reaches out. Uh, he with the hand. So he's still holding the lantern so that he can see. Um, but with the hand that was on the club, he reaches out and he, he uh, grabs you by the shoulder. Okay, so this is what I would like to do. As he reaches out to grab me, I would like to try to ske- like scamper underneath where he is reaching, use sleight of hand to grab the thing out of his pocket, and then bolt for the door, shut it behind me. Ooh. That's. I know that that's a whole. That's a whole lot. It's a there. whole deal. So, 
right? I'm I'm happy to make as many rolls as we need to in this little like non-combaty skill challenge sort of way. Yeah. Brad, I have a plan. How are you going to help? But it's af- it's it, he's Dorn's going to enact the plan after Max leaves the room. But I'll leave it at that for now. Okay, so is your plan to drop off of him at any point during this? Right before he goes through the door, Dorn's going to jump off. Okay. Okay, uh, so with that in mind, Max, make your acrobatics roll. That's an 18 on the dice, so a 24 total, because I have plus 6 to acrobatics. All right, Rental Guard got a 5, so even with a generous dexterity boost, which he does not have, um, you are able to dart under his reaching arm, um, taking him by surprise. You're now parallel with his hip. Okay, I'm ready. And so you can make your sleight of hand right. to retrieve the artifact. Um, <clears throat> that's a, uh, that is a natural 20. Ooh, <laughs> yes. No fooling. All right, Jason, go ahead and roll a percentile dice. So for the D&D noobs, while Jason is rolling a percentile dice, is basically two ten-sided dice that, when added together, give you a number between 1 or and 100. Or subtracted from each other. 69! Nice. Nice. It is nice. Nice. It is nice. Okay. So your hand reaches into his pocket, grabs... Uh, not just the crystal rod, but also a small, um, uh, like a, not a vial, a vial isn't the right word, but like a, a jar, like a, a small jar. Um, and you're able to gra- grab both of those, uh, while he stands there like a doofus. Um, and then, um, <clears throat> you're able to get to the door where Brad, uh, jumps off your back. And Brad, how are you gonna? What, what's your move? What's your move now? So, as as Max is going through the door, Doran jumps off, and in midair, he turns into a gnome for a split second, and then a giant toad with derpy-looking eyes askew in either direction, and just sits in front of the door. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Which is a signal for Max to keep going, obviously. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, Max, you get away. <laughs> Which is deeper into the building? Remember, remember when we played the the special game, the Wild Mountain game, and I told Talia that there needed to be some sort of role for awkwardness, <laughs> or like, yes, <laughs> I feel like we we more and more are, are sort of like brushing up against these areas of role play where. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know how to process that as a dungeon master, and so how would this guard process yes. it? Because we're so outside the realm of reality. Yes. Like in in reality, a rat could jump off, and and he's like, oh my god, it's a rat, but it's not going to turn into a tiny man, <laughs> and, and and then again into a giant toad with, you know, derpy eyes. So, um. I think we could really own the hashtag role for awkwardness. We we really could. Really... Uh, we could build a table for it. D- do you think he noticed? Does the guard notice? Does the guard notice you turn into a giant toad? <laughs> does, do, no, does he notice that there was a rat and gnome there first? That's a good question. Because that'll change how he reacts to it, right? 
he definitely doesn't see the gnome. Or, I'm sorry, he definitely doesn't see the rat. It's a dark room. He's got a lantern. A goblin just stole uh, a, a jar of ointment out of his pocket, as well as the neat thing that he just found. Yes. So he doesn't see the rat. The gnome, I would love it if... Like a, in a cartoon, whenever you changed shape, there was like a cloud of pink smoke or something. Like, poof, no, poof, toad. Yeah. <laughs> like Nightcrawler? Well, that would yes. make it real obvious, wouldn't it? Yeah. The same bamf. <laughs> bamf. <laughs> um, a gnome druid named Bamf. That would be the a good Smell character. of brimstone. Yeah. Uh, he does notice the gnome. Dang it. But he's still not sure what to do about this. Um... And so he just sort of makes long, awkward eye contact with the toad. Well, the toad, one of the toad's eyes focuses on him slowly. <laughs> and and, yeah. and Dorne just goes, <laughs> He looks at the toad and then to the safe, like maybe there was something in the safe that he shouldn't have breathed in. Like a spore. You see that thought process going through his head. Like he just breathed in a spore that he shouldn't have had anything to do with. <laughs> Um, and so he yes. he just turns around. He goes and he sits at a, at a desk, at one of the desks, and just kind of, he taps. He's like tapping on the desk, and he keeps looking over <laughs> to see if you're still there. Uh, I don't know. Dorna, wait for, what's a good time to escape a place that you're not supposed to be in? 15 minutes like that. <laughs> 15 minutes? You're just going to torture him? And then every once in a while, he'll just send one eye over to look at him and Bleh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as the the 15 minutes pass, this guy gets more and more distressed. (laughs) Like, his eyes are starting to get wet and red, and he's just, by the end of it, he's just barely holding back tears. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Max is just outside the door, like, with a sword, just ready. And, and like, shaking as he's just ready with this sword, waiting for this guard to come out. Man, if that was a closet we went into there or something, like the wrong door, that would be really bad. Uh, To get out, uh, giant toads are large creatures. Dorn will walk towards the window slowly, keeping one eye on the guard. And just squeeze out the window and jump down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as you leave, you hear a, a sigh of relief from behind you. And just before he jumps out, he'll look at him one last time and go, Bleh. <laughs> Meanwhile, downstairs in the inn, uh, and remember, this is uh, one of those inns that you walk down from the street level. So it's kind of like in the basement to begin with. The, the bartender has just yelled from across the bar upon your entry. Hey, I thought we killed you. And now with all eyes in the bar on Celine and Ledger, how are you guys going to proceed? Ledger is going to hold up a finger, you know, to do the sort of like pause motion. And um, Ledger will turn to Celine and say, Ross, have a seat. I'll I'll sort things out. And um, he will confidently approach the group and um, as he's walking, say, oh, no, there's there's been some mistake and I'll I can explain everything. Um, OK, so uh, the the bartender, the, the rest of the patrons, they're 
more shocked than anything else. You don't see a lot of <laughs> um, rage or anger on their faces. And uh, the bartender says, well, I should hope so. Uh, it's not every day we see a, a man, uh, what we killed, walk in here being alive. Oh, and, and that's 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 where the error is. And, and you've done you've done us a, a, a wonderful boon. And Ledger will pull out uh, one of the agency business cards. As you reach into your pocket, everyone in the bar like stands up a little bit. They're ready to fight. And then the card comes out and they all sit back down again. Celine will kind of wave. He'll take and put it on the bar and then sort of slide it with two fingers towards the bartender. And um, Ledger will say, my name is is Ledger. I'm with the, the Waterdeep Detective Agency and my client Ross here, and I'll gesture back <laughs> towards Celine, has... Um, has, has hired our agency to investigate the estate of his estranged brother, Foss. <laughs> who it sounds like you've done us the brilliant favor of murdering. Thank you. We're most appreciative. Spitting image. Roll a deception check. I love this so much. Roll a deception check. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I spent a few days ahead of this being like, what are they going to do? <laughs> I was not expecting this. I love it. I feel like I have advantage on this deception check because there's a living person that they're not expecting is there. Sure. Sure. I really needed that. Um, So it is a 19 uh, that brings it to a 20. Awesome. So um, one of them, one of the bar patrons stands up um, and he, he points at Celine. And he says, well, if you're this Ross fella, then tell us something that only Ross would know. <laughs> and the rest of the, the rest of the patrons nod and they, they nod and they're like, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. Tell us something only Ross would know. Okay. So Celine is going to stand up and she's going to clear her throat. <clears> throat> And then she's going to gesture over to Ledger. This is kind of a point of some sensitivity. You see, the the reason that the brothers are estranged was there was a, as I understand it, and the, the details are a little lacking, an incident in which Foss caused Ross to no longer be able to speak. Just when I think you guys are going to zig. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, I, I'm sure that Ross's presence is a sufficient evidence of the relationship. I, the 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 resemblance is is uncanny, is it not? The bartender leans back and he squints at Ross. And he says, he sure does look like Foss. Okay. <laughs> In any case, we're, we're here for very simple needs. The, the consequence of 
Foss's demise is of absolutely no interest to either of us other than perhaps any sort of personal effects that still may be available and any details as to why he needed to die because, well, frankly, it would it would entertain us. Wait, what? Well, if you murdered Foss, surely there must have been a reason and, well, to us uh, that would be amusing. Uh, is, isn't that right, Ross? And I'll, I'll nod at Celine. You'll get kind of this... <laughs> That's Ross's laugh. Um, the bartender hooks his thumbs through the tie of his apron. And he really slowly kind of swaggers out from behind the bar. Everyone else sits back in their chairs. They all sort of chuckle. Ross chuckles with them. And the bartender says... <laughs> the bartender says we could tell you but I don't know if we can trust you and he sticks he gets right into your face Ledger he sticks a finger into your face you you have my my business card while they're doing that uh, Selena's gonna walk up really close and just kind of like stand next to them but like the really awkward face next to face with the bartender and just hold up another business card. What does your business card say? That has Ledger's name on it. Oh, it's one of Ledger's business cards. Yeah, it's his proof that Ledger is his business partner. And he's going to point to Ledger and do a thumbs up. Now imagine your very worst neighbor found themselves deceased. You hate this person. Wouldn't you find it if some humor and entertainment to find out exactly how and why they needed to go. Celine leans in a little closer again. The bartender looks down at the business card. He looks up at Ledger. He looks over at Ross, realizes Ross is much closer than he thought <laughs> and like jerks away really quickly. And then he says, you're a lawyer, right? More of a bookkeeper and a private investigator. Uh, I, I know a little bit about law because I've had to represent myself a few times, but eh, that's really probably not of much interest to you. The, the case was really open and shut, but in any case, I think the answer is yes. Ross nods assuringly, but also still very close. He squints, and he says, Did you say private investigator? And then Jason inserts some sound effects of chairs being pushed back as some of the patrons around you stand up. Not all of them, but some of them. Probably a quick count would show six patrons standing up. Yes, as as I said when I arrived, Ross hired me to track down Foss and fortunately... He's dead. Thus, my investigation has brought me here, and I am looking for nothing more but whatever personal effects may be left over, memorabilia, 
photographs, whatever. And a little bit of information as to what may have happened. I have no quarrel. You've done us really a delightful favor. Do any of the areas where Max's lead here? Because I'm waiting for him to just like bolt in out of breath. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering what that timeline was going to be like myself. Giant toad behind well, him. Well, I mean, we're still in the 15 minutes of Doran staring at the guard. <laughs> That's true. As a toad. <laughs> and me holding the sword, shaking at the door, waiting for him to come out ready to pounce. Um, the bartender grins, uh, and there's not a lot of mirth uh, or friendliness in the grin. And he says, yeah, yeah, we'll tell you how we killed him. And he starts tapping the Waterdeep detective agency card against his hand. And he says, see, we're part of a group. We're part of a, a club, you might say. And the, the rest of the standing patrons all sort of laugh chuckle. Oh, I've I've been part of organizations myself. And then Ledger's going to say in undercommon, tell me more. He doesn't respond to the undercommon. He doesn't seem to get it. He said you say that and he says gazootite. Okay. <laughs> but he does continue. He says um, and so our club has certain proclivities, certain interests. And when a certain water deep citizen came to us with a request, we were only too happy to help. Fantastic. He says, the citizen, you see, was getting ready for some sort of um, festivities themselves. Uh, and for some reason, he thought that another club, another group might interfere. And he stops tapping the business card and he says, so he asked us to help eliminate them. How curious. But we needed a tool to do that, to accomplish that. So... When Foss came in here to drink, we killed him, raised him as a revenant, and then sent him after you and your friends. As he says that, Selena's going to step up a little bit closer, and she's going to say in Infernal, you might want to take that back. Um, he says, uh, he did a real number on your throat. Sounds awful, but you're in luck. See, because this guy came in here to find out what happened. We'll take care of him for you. You don't have to pay him. And the rest of the the patrons start to gather sort of around Sam. So where is Ledger standing now in relation to the bar? And can you just give me a layout of what the room looks like. Yeah, you're largely in the center of the room. The room is has several tables in the middle of it. Um, most of these tables were either ent- empty or had, you know, one person or two people at them. Um, there's probably four feet between you and the bar, and the bartender is standing next to you. There's no one behind the bar that you can see. Um, around you, 
with the bartender are, are probably six other people. So what's Ledger's sense of the threat level at this point? Uh, imminent. But also, I mean, these look like normal ruffians. These don't look like trained warriors. Okay. So Ledger's going to to turn to Celine, currently disguised as Ross or Foss, <laughs> depending on your lean. And assuming that they're not surrounded and she could only see it, give a wink. And then um, he, Ledger will ask the bartender, do you, do you mind if if I if I have a have a seat um he laughs he says sure we can kill you sitting down and he pulls out a chair for you so Ledger's going to put his hands kind of like on the back of the chair as if he's preparing to move it and make eye contact with the bartender and say I don't think that you're going to like my disposition if you keep threatening me and as he does that, the chair that's touching his hands is going to start to smoke as if it's being ignited by his very touch. Um, with that, the bartender, so he looks at you and he looks at the chair uh, and he reaches into his apron and he pulls out kind of a long wavy dagger and he, he lunges at you. So Sam and Talia, uh, please roll initiative. Um, I'm going to roll initiative in groups for my bar patrons. So Ledger has a thing called Feral Instinct, which gives him advantage on initiative rolls and also basically makes him nearly impossible to surprise as long as he's enraged or that he enters a rage like right away. So his initiative's 14. Celine's is 13. Um, okay, so actually, two of the two of the patrons on the other side of you, Sam, uh, are going to go first. And these guys don't have a, a weird dagger the way the bartender does. They sort of just pick up uh, furniture, um, like a chair leg, or you know, uh, um, a chair or table leg, or something like that. They, they they just kind of grab whatever's handy and sort of come at you. Uh, and so the first one swings down with one of the wooden chairs in the bar uh, as you're leaning against the chair that you've got. Um, 14 against your AC? That'll hit. Yeah, so uh, just sort of shatters it over your back um, in a shower of splinters and um, whatever cheap chair hardware this guy could get. That does four damage. Okay. Um, And the second one swings a table leg. 11 against your AC. That will not hit. So whiffs it, um, just kind of comes down next to you. Um, but uh, this is, I, I want to point out, we've had uh, fun bar fights in the show before. Uh, uh, I'm remembering, I'm going back to like the scupper den. Um, this is not that. This is, um, there's there's real malice uh, behind the movements and attentions of these people it's almost as if a portion of their humanity has kind of been stripped away uh and you're just it's like they're 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 not even feral animals they're they're much more malicious than that they just want to hurt they just want to cause pain so after those two uh go then it is ledger's turn so ledger gets to respond ledger is just going to let out a low gut-wrenching yell and um, so that 
the chair is going to continue to smoke and catch a light. And also everyone within 10 feet of him is going to take three fire damage as the entire room heats up from his ferocity. What do you take, Celine? I'm sure your fire resistance, you probably take like one. Um, um, but um, yeah. then he's going to throw this chair at um, at the, the guy with the dagger. The bartender. Yeah. Go ahead and roll your attack. Would that be a strength or dexterity on an enraged chair throw? I would just make it a regular attack. Uh, well, let's see. A throw would be dexterity. So add your dex to it. I'm trying to make sure. Like, I think that it's going to be a 15. It might be more. Let me know if I need to. 15 would be fine. 15 hits okay. him. Uh, what sort of damage roll do you want me to add to to do for a, a maybe I, flaming I would chair? say under normal circumstances, a chair would be a club. But this chair is on fire. So let's say 1d6 plus dex. I think that's just a six. I don't know if his rage... Because his rage is all strength weapons. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a six. Six damage? Yeah. Plus the three that anyone in ten foot took. So the chair hits him, and he sort of explodes through it with his, like, kind of throwing it aside with his arm, uh, which casts embers sort of throughout the bar. They just sort of, they, they fly up into the air and then rain down kind of uh, everywhere around you. Um, and that may or may not come back later, so. I have a second attack now. Okay. I'll pull out my longsword and do a reckless attack. Uh, I'm gonna hit if the last one hit. Um, yeah. Let me... So I'll be... 10. 10 damage? Yeah, I get a little bit more because of the rage. So the blade of your sword bites into him. Um, it's a strong hit. Uh, and under, like, a, you would expect uh, a normal thug or ruffian to really um, to really be feeling that. Especially, I mean, you've spent so much time on the streets enforcing and debt collecting and, and doing all that kind of stuff. So when he... He, uh, he feels the wound, it hits him... Uh, it cuts down and he just grins at you and you see kind of like blood is uh, uh, covering his teeth um, and he is the, the there's just fire in his eyes. He's staring at you and all you can see in those eyes is the desire to hurt you. Great. Uh, <laughs> that's all I have on my turn. Celine, your turn. There is there like a line between them and us, and how far are they spread out? So, three of them are bunched up around Sam right now. Um, four of them are waiting to get in. They're they're they've they're either you know kind of like on the outskirts waiting for an opportunity or still trying to procure a weapon. Um, but they're all bunched up. Together, So you've got four that you could hit probably pretty reliably with an area of effect spell. Okay. My spell is a 15-foot radius. Uh, I'm going to tap into Celine's rich backstory. Um, if you recall, she is a tiefling of Levistus, so she has the legacy of Stygia. Um, and she is going to cast Darkness at a second level over them. Uh, what that does is it spreads a magical darkness to fill a 15-foot sphere 
Um, and the creatures can't see through it even if they have dark vision. And a non-magical light can't illuminate it. And if there is a magical light, it has to be a second, and it's a second level or lower, it will also be dispelled. So they're basically just going to go pitch black for them. Oh, okay. The best part is the darkness emanates from the objects and moves with it. So if they're mo- like, so you would have to pick one. Pick yeah. one of them. The one in the center, probably the closest one that hit Ledger, would be the one that I would choose to hit. So if he moves, the darkness will move around with him. But you don't want to pick him because if you picked him, then Ledger would be in the darkness too. Yeah, that's that's fine. This is great. Like they're just taking <laughs> damage every round from me being there. Yeah. So, from their perspective, now they can't see, and it's hot enough that it's burning their skin. That's that's a bad scene. You guys, I feel bad for our bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you don't, I've, I was saying this before, I've played this game for a very long time, and in most of the games that I've played, it's just straight up combat. Like, I swing my sword, I swing my sword, nuh-uh, I swing my sword, and, but... The Waterdeep detectives continually wage psychological warfare <laughs> against their <laughs> opponents <laughs> at a level that I can't possibly imagine. How fast did you win the fight? Not fast at all. Oh, really? That must have sucked. No, it was great. My teammate cast darkness on me. I sat down and I burned them alive over the next 15 <laughs> rounds. <laughs> And there's your 15 minutes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's your... There's your <laughs> Giant Toad enters the room. Max and Doran eventually make their way down, and there's just, like, charred corpses and a bunch of weeping bar patrons. And Celine and... <laughs> yeah, Celine and Ledger just hanging out behind the bar drinking. Oh. And Max is like, again. Um... I'm not going to tell you where I got it from, but I also used bat fur and a drop of pitch and a piece of coal to do this spell, so. Yeah, I would be disappointed if you did tell us where you got it from. <laughs> um, so are you are you casting it on the one next to Ledger, or are you casting it on the group that has been waiting to get in there? No, I think I want to cast it on the one next to Ledger, because I think he'll start to move around and it'll freak them out more. Okay. Um, all right, so uh, Ledger is also engulfed in darkness, but so is the bartender uh, and two of the combatants. These guys were getting ready to attack what they thought was like a nerdy private investigator. And within seconds, their friends started burning where they were standing and then were suddenly engulfed in arcane darkness. Dark hole. <laughs> While still burning. While still, yeah. So now there's just this this sphere of pitch black in the middle of their favorite pub. And there's just screams and cinders. It's getting real at the red gauntlet. Here's what happens. Um, three of the four folk that were ready to fight run screaming from the building. Um, Brad, you are, you are upstairs in the room staring at the softly weeping security guard. (laughs) (laughs) 
when this happens. So so Doran hears people like screaming and running out of out of the front? Out of the, the bar below. I imagine that Doran just knows if we're downstairs, that that's that's a likely outcome. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. You're solidly in minute four of tormenting this guy. Okay, well, same thing that happened last time. Slowly walks over to the window. Yeah. One eye shifts towards him. Yeah. Blah. And then Doran will <laughs> leap out and just head towards the, the front All right. door. And, All right. And then however long that takes... They're fighting a black cloud. There's fire everywhere. And then a giant toad squeezes through the tavern door. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird day these people are having. Yeah. <laughs> that might break Celine's concentration. But Where did that luckily, come from? she can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. It's true. Um, so the, uh, the bartender... Uh, has been encompassed in the the blackness, um, but he's also just at this point crazed. He's he's you can hear him um, kind of laughing, and well, laughing wouldn't be right. Cackling, he's cackling, uh, and so he's going to make another attack uh, at Ledger. He's going to do that with disadvantage because he's in pitch darkness, <laughs> and so we'll see how that works. Sam, 13 against your AC? Uh, my AC is 13. Ooh, he just snuck it in. Okay, so he, he makes his attack against you, and this is, there's nothing, I guess, I mean, you can't see it, but there's nothing skilled about this. He's just kind of swinging for the fences here, um, stabbing randomly in the darkness. Uh, he's going to deal six damage to you. And then moments later, uh, the wound starts to uh, burn, feel really hot. Uh, and you're going to take three more damage. Um, the two patrons who are engulfed in the darkness um, are going to make quick constitution saves. Hilarious. And Talia, it was upon one of those patrons that you cast darkness, right? Correct. The one that was attacking okay. Sam initially. Okay, ledger. so they both freak out too. They go running in opposite directions. <laughs> running at full speed when you can see absolutely nothing <laughs> is not ideal. Especially in a room yeah. like this. Well, they're on fire. <laughs> they're on fire and then suddenly consumed by pitch darkness. Um, so one of them slams into a table at full speed um, just as he emerges from the darkness and kind of goes flipping over the top of it. Um, but he actually uh, makes it look pretty, I'm going to say pretty cool. He makes it look pretty cool. Uh, if you guys could see him, Brad, as the toad, sees him sort of do a parkour move <laughs> like over the table. He only takes one point of damage. <laughs> the, the patron with the darkness cast on him, so he's just carrying it with him. He uh, kicks a chair, stubs his toe, um, but still consumed by darkness. Um, now, Sam, it is your turn. Okay, so Ledger's going to do, at the beginning of his round of combat, three damage to anyone within ten feet, which, at this point, is at least the bartender and Celine. That's right. I don't know about the other. Um, so the question is, are the three of us in darkness now? Or did that one get far enough away that we're no longer he in He got the dark. far enough away, you are no longer in darkness. Okay. So then after that happens, Ledger is still enraged and is going to make a reckless attack on the bartender. 
does a nine hit? It does not. Okay. Then he is going to make his second regular attack uh, and will also miss. Okay. Celine, now it's your turn. Celine is going to cast Armor of Agathis. Uh, it's a protective magical force that surrounds me and manifests a spectral frost that covers both me and my gear. So everything is basically in kind of this like frosty frozenness. Um, I get five additional temporary hit points, and anybody that hits me with a melee attack will get hit with five cold damage. Actually, I'm going to do it at second level so that I can also get an additional five cold damage when they hit me. Intense. They get ten points of cold damage if they hit me. Team Tall, Fire and Ice. I love it. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> two sitcoms, back to back. We have Tuesday Night on Lock. Tuesday Night is the noir crime thriller double feature. Team, uh, team Tall, Team Small. I love it. I'm calling NBC tomorrow. Brad, what's your dexterity bonus? All right, a Toad's dexterity is plus one. Okay. Um, the bartender is going to go before you. So he makes another frenzied, not an actual frenzied assault, but a frenzied assault on Ledger. Whiffs it hard. He's too crazy. He's too crazy at this point. Uh, Brad, um, let's see what a giant toad can do. A giant toad can do a lot, okay. Oh, side note. It- I don't think we've said anything about whether Max has heard any of this. Max is Max is going to go uh, immediately after this. Oh, okay. So the way I see it, you were in the room above. You had the open window, so you could get down. You had, and then Max was further in in the hallway. So he's he's got the next movement. All right. So the toad has a bite attack. Swallow the bartender <laughs> for night uh, nineteen uh, nineteen to hit. Oh yeah, that'll do it. And that's 10 damage. Three poison damage. Wow. Uh, and he has grappled escape DC 13. <laughs> so he's he's wrapped up in the tongue. <laughs> oh, I'm supposed to get over there. He, he had to leap. Uh, he'll do a gigantic 20-foot leap over to the, okay. the bartender guy. Okay. I love it. And then we'll I feel like... And lick him. As the, as the stories of the Waterdeep Detective Agency get out more and more, like people start leaving the city a little bit. They're like, what happened to this place? <laughs> <laughs> this used to be a family neighborhood, and then those detectives came in, started turning into frogs, swallowing people, <laughs> throwing people in black holes. Well, he's not swallowed yet, but next hit, he's going down the gullet. Oh, so, Max, you are upstairs at this point. You've, like... Doran has sort of frog oozed himself out the window. You heard the the um, the patrons screaming off into the distance. You've got the option. You can you can escape through the window the way Doran did, or you can make your way down the stairs uh, and see if maybe there's an internal entrance that leads from the upstairs to the bar. Max will go down the stairs. You get to the bottom of the stairs. And um, I need you to roll a perception check for me. Uh, 15 on the dice, so 100. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 22. Literally the, literally the number I was going to say. So 100? 22. Um, you get to the bottom of the stairs. Uh, you have a door in front of you that you can hear the fight happening on the other side of. But next to you, um, there is a secret door recessed into the wall. 
uh, that um, you can't tell where it, it really leads, but you can tell that it is there. Does it sound like my team has the fight well in hand? Can I tell that from my 22 perception? I think... I think that would be more insight, so I want you to roll insight, and basically you've been fighting alongside them so long. Uh, seven on the dice, so twelve, or sorry, uh, fourteen total. Fourteen total. Yeah, I think you, you sound, it sounds like they've got it in hand. Okay. They're laughing the way they do when they have fun, not the way they do when they're nervously in danger. <laughs> uh, Max will uh, attempt to open the secret door. I would like to check first. I would like to investigate first to see if there's anything that might um, harm me okay. when I do that. Yeah. So that's <clears throat> a 13 on the dice, nine, plus nine investigations. So that's a 22. You don't see anything on the... It doesn't, there doesn't appear to be any traps or any um, uh, anything along those lines. All right. Let's go through this door. Uh, so the you open the door, it swings in and reveals a, a small path that leads to a spiral staircase that descends down into um, the bedrock. Uh, and emanating up from that staircase is a soft green glow. Uh, Max will uh, go down the stairs, but slowly and stealthily. That is a uh, 16th stealth, seven on the dice, so 16 total. Okay. So you're heading down there. We're going to cut back to the fight real quick. There's only one more um, patron left who's taking his turn. He's the one that Talia cast the darkness spell on. <laughs> and so I don't know if you've ever seen a 15-foot orb of darkness rock back and forth <laughs> pathetically, but that's what you see. This The guy is obviously just like hugging his knees to his chest, and he's rocking back and forth in the spot that he's found in the um, uh, every <clears throat> floor with kind of softly weeping sounds uh, emanating from the, the orb of darkness. Um, now, Max, it is your turn. So you're going to continue down the, the staircase? Yes, uh, slowly, stealthily. But yes, I will. Slowly, stealthily. You get down to the bottom, and it opens up into a Frankenstein-esque laboratory. Uh, there are... Um, bodies piled up on tables. Oh. Uh, there, there's chemistry equipment lining um, uh, workbenches around the walls. Uh, the green glow is emanating from a uh, beaker uh, that sits on top of uh, a Bunsen burner <clears throat> at one end. You have all these other chemicals that are percolating and moving their way towards it and then slowly dropping down into it uh, where it, it almost pulses the green light pulses with each drop of liquid that falls slowly into it. In the center of the room is a great big table with uh, shackles that hold down an enormous body uh, that has been, um, it appears, cobbled together with pieces of other bodies. Does it? Are there any other people, like living people, in this basement currently? There are not. Okay, just this... Um, this construct. The construct and then a pile of corpses off to the side. Does the construct look animated currently? No. Okay. In that case, if there are no people down here that I need to deal with right now, uh, Max would feel comfortable going back up to the fight um, with the knowledge that this is here and we need to investigate further. So I'll head back up. Excellent. 
Um, so you make it back up uh, to the door. You're able to open the door and you see this scene of, I mean, you've come, you've become accustomed to it, but martial chaos, I suppose we'll call it. Um, <clears throat> let's see. That's Max done. Uh, now it's uh, Ledger's turn. So the, um, the bartender's, grappled now by the toad? Yes. Yes. He is grappled. <laughs> he is grappled by the toad, which is something I totally expected to say. I think he's halfway through in my mouth. So I'm guessing I just naturally have advantage on the attack? I think so. Oh, yeah. 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 He's wrapped up in a toad tongue. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to hit for a bunch. Um, <laughs> everyone, including the toad, is going to take three at the beginning of my turn because, you know, there's that. Um, so there's that three, and then the damage roll is 11 on the first attack. Does that kill him? No. Uh, 13 on the second attack. 13 damage or 13 to hit? Might have hit was 24. Wow. Okay. Um, he looks like he's on the ropes. Um, Celine, it's your turn. Is the damage that the poison damage that was hitting Ledger still hitting him or is it over by now? Yeah, I forgot to mention that when it was the bartender's turn. It is still hitting him, um, but you aren't aware of it. Ah, okay. How much? Another three? Another three, yeah. All right. I will attack the bartender, but he's still in the tongue of Doran. The toad. Yes. So you get advantage on the attack. Then I am just going to cast Ray of Frost on him. 12 to hit. 12 is a miss. It's the bartender's turn. Um, and he sees, he looks around and he gets the lay of the land. He sees the way everything is going. And without breaking that kind of manic expression on his face he takes his dagger and he plunges it into his own chest and as you watch you see an apparition sort of descend from his corporeal body and then drop down into the floor and disappear below the floorboards oh I know where this is going mm -hmm. and it's followed momentarily by a loud roar. Hello, everybody. It's Jason, your producer. Thank you for listening to episode four of season three, Cold Case of Adventure, they wrote. Lots of dead bodies in this one. We hope that you are staying safe and staying healthy. We're all living through some really weird and difficult times right now, and I know that I can speak for the entire cast when I say that we hope you're doing well and the best that you can given our weird circumstances. As always, I would love to say thank you to Tabletop Audio for providing the soundtrack to our show. We used Tim's brand new track, Rat Battle, during the Doran, Max, and Guard scene, and I feel like it fit really well. So yeah, huge thank you to Tabletop Audio for always allowing us to use their work. If you need awesome stuff for your tabletop gaming needs or just need some fun 10-minute loops to read to or to listen to while you're on a Zoom call with your friends, check them out, tabletopaudio.com. Everything there is free to use, and if you are able to chip in, you can join the Patreon. We are members, and we use a ton of the alternate tracks that supporters have access to in the show. So again, that's tabletopaudio.com. I also need to say thank you to our first legit sponsor of the show, 
Our hosting is provided by BugBearBubbles.com. My buddy Kat has been making the world-famous gelatinous cube soap, and you can make it every time you wash your hands and adventure at BugBearBubbles.com. Each gelatinous cube soap comes with a complete set of RPG dice, along with some fun surprises, and they come in some really lovely scents. Mine is lime, and I really like using it. So, also, um, stay tuned. I hear there might be some other cool things coming from Bugbear Bubbles in the near future. Finally, once again, thank you for listening. It's always a pleasure being part of your podcast rotation, and we hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please give us a rating or a review and share us with your friends. We're up on all the different podcast sites, and we'd love to get more listeners thanks to your reviews. That's it for us this week. Thank you again for listening, and tune in next time for more mystery. Emanating up from that staircase is a soft green glow. Green glow! Um... Wrong show. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. That's green flame. We have green glow. Green that's, flame. That's trademarked. Green glow. <laughs> <laughs> that's trademarked.